Peter Drucker. He told the story of three stonecutters. And they were, you know, each asked what they were doing. And the first one replied, I'm making a living. The second one kept on hammering while he said, I'm doing the best job of stone cutting in the entire country. And the third one looked up with a visionary gleam. And he said, I'm building a cathedral. He got the big picture. You know, that's what God is doing with each one of us. Building his church separately in each one of us. We're the temple of the Holy Spirit. And all together as one big, huge group. God is building his church. Remember 1 Peter uh, 2, 4 to 10. And if you don't have an outline, you need an outline. Uh, Actually, I have some here or there's some back there or open up your Bible or look up on the screen. You are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. And you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. As the scriptures say, I am placing a cornerstone in Jerusalem chosen for great honor. And anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Another version says never be disappointed. Yes, you who trust him recognize the honor that God has given him. But for those who reject him, the stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. And he is the stone that makes people stumble. They stumble because they do not obey God's word. And so they meet the fate that was planned for them. But you are not like that. For you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. Each one of us, we've all received the mercy of God. We all need the saving work of Jesus Christ. That's what binds us all together. And it's greater than anything else in the universe. Let that sink in. Do you get that? We are the church of Jesus Christ. And that's what we've been studying for the past month. We're the church of Jesus Christ and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. It's impossible. Look at the end of the book. We win. So what have we learned about his church? What's it for? First, we talked about how the church is for worship. Kristen taught us that everything we do that glorifies God is worship. Colossians 3:16 and 17. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom and teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Whatever you do, do it all in his name. So everything we do should glorify God. We should be in a constant state of worship. A constant state of prayer and a constant state of recognition that God 
is or should be involved in every part of our life. We should consciously invite God into every part of our daily routine. We should worship him in spirit and in truth. Then we talked about how the church is for prayer. Jesus said we should always pray and not give up. We saw when the early church prayed, rooms were shaken, chains fell off. They preached with boldness. Prayer is the means by which the church invites our father to insert himself and his will into our lives. The operative word there being his will. Then we talked about how the church is for serving and sharing. If you call yourself a Christian, a follower of Jesus Christ, then your job is to serve others. As Christians, we should all be serving somewhere, whether it's here or another ministry or where you work, you should be serving as a Christian. And I said there's nothing more powerful in this world than a group of Christians united in humility and service to our God. Nothing. Why? Because we are the church and we can and will show others the goodness of God. I got hung up on that so much. I've probably repeated that oh, two or three dozen times over the past month and I'll continue to repeat it. Because we could show others the goodness of God. That's how they see God. Then we learn the church is for discipleship. As disciples of Jesus Christ, we are continually to be learning about our Lord and Master. As we do, his values become our values. Remember, he promised us a helper, the Holy Spirit, that would lead us and to guide us into all the truth. Day by day, our goal should be to become more and more like Christ. Like John the Baptist said, he must increase and I must decrease. And as we become more and more like Jesus, our lives can and will be an example to those around us. And we can edify and build up and disciple others. The last week, Kristen told us that the church is for community. Acts 2, 44 to 47, we've been repeating that one every single service. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and they shared money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. All the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Granted, life is not exactly like it was 2,000 years ago. It's a little harder to maybe live that close with each other. Uh, I mean, there you probably lived and worked right in the same spot. Now, today, I know some of us spend two or three hours a day on the road going back and forth to work. And it doesn't make community easy. But, like Kristen pointed out, true, authentic community is vital to the growth and well-being of every Christian. Hebrews 10, 24, 25. And let us consider and give attentive, continuous care to watching over one another, studying how we may stir up, stimulate, and incite to love and helpful deeds and noble activities, not forsaking or neglecting to assemble together as believers, as is the habit of some people, but admonishing, warning, 
urging and encouraging one another and all the more faithfully as you see the day approaching. Authentic community. That means being real with each other. Kristen encouraged us to tear down the fences that we may put up that keeps other people from seeing, you know, seeing us the way we really are. Proverbs 27:17 says as iron sharpens iron so a friend sharpens a friend. When you have authentic relationships with other Christians, it's just like anything else, it ain't going to be perfect. Uh, it's not always going to be sunny and rosy. You know, sparks are going to fly. I have a grinding wheel in my garage and every now and then I'll sharpen a knife and when you go to sharpen something, man, you just the flecks of metal fly off and there's sparks everywhere. Hey, that's what it's like sometimes. I want to add one very important thing about being authentic with others. When someone does show you themselves, when someone does open up to you, warts and all, and I'm actually saying this extremely sternly, you better Accept and receive them with all the grace that God has given you. Because I know, I know people in this room that have opened themselves up to other people in other churches. And they've gotten basically their heads handed to them on a platter. You know, they've gotten chastised. They've gotten, uh, you know, told that they were doing things wrong. They've got, you know what? It's not our job to clean people up. It's our job to love and accept them. That's what authentic community is about. And I've always told people, this church, ever since I've been coming here for, I don't know, nine years, however long it's been, um, this is the most non-judgmental church I have ever been in. And I pray to God that it stays that way. Because... I mean, that's what it's all about. Grace and mercy. I need all I can get. And in order to get all I need, I need to give as much as I, as much as I need. Remember John 17, uh, when Jesus said, I'm praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And that they may be in us so that the world will believe that you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me so they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Do you get that? We can show the world that God loves us as much as God loved Jesus. And they're going to believe that God sent Jesus. I mean, that that just blows me away. I said it a couple of weeks ago, and Kristen repeated it, and I'm going to repeat it again. Jesus prayed and said the world would know and believe that God sent him when the church is living and acting as one. Remember what it said in Acts that we just read. You know, uh, talked about the unity. Then at the end it said, in each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. 
a lot of a lot of Christian leaders would say it's not about numbers, and, and I understand that. You know, it's not you know it's not about having fifty or a hundred people walking down in every service giving their hearts to the Lord. It's it's not, but. They mentioned numbers in the book of Acts to make a point. What that point was, I'm not 100% sure. Maybe it was simply to show what God can do when the church is united and we get out of his way. Which brings us to the final installment in our series. The church is for evangelism. Let's look at the final words of Jesus from three different places. First, Matthew 28, 18. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That's one of those lines. If you don't remember anything else I said tonight, take that one with you. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. You know, it doesn't matter, like we were just singing. Where, you know, where can we go? What can get in the way of God's love? Nothing. Mark chapter 16, verses 15 and 16. And then he told them, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved. But anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. And you all know, people aren't going to hell for the sins they committed. They're going to hell for not believing. And then in Acts 1.8, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. These are the instructions that Jesus left with his disciples. And his disciples left for us. I'm going to pull out my soapbox here for a little bit. Um, I believe that this is one of the biggest issues with the church, especially in this country. We're not doing what Jesus told us to do. What did he say? Preach the gospel. The good news that you can be reconciled with God through Jesus Christ. That's it. He never said, go and tell everybody what they're doing wrong. He never said... Go and tell them what their sins are. He never said, go try and pass laws to make people obey me. He said, go and preach the gospel. You know, tell people that God loves them and has a plan for their lives. You know, it doesn't matter what you've done up to this point. God loves you. It doesn't matter what you do when you walk out that door. God loves you. And the only way to experience that love is through Jesus Christ. I mean, that's why we all need Jesus. We're all on the same page. The Apostle Paul said in Romans 10, verses 14 and 15, But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in them if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells him? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? 
That is why the scriptures say how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. How were people added to the church day after day? Because the church was united in Christ with one goal. Bringing the gospel to the world. Being witnesses of what the salvation of Jesus Christ did in their lives. Remember, we are the church. We can and will show others the goodness of God. And you know why we show others the goodness of God? Paul said it in Romans. Simple. It's the kindness of God that leads to repentance. Nothing else. Nothing else. It's the Holy Spirit that draws people to Christ. Without the Holy Spirit drawing someone to Christ, they're not going to Christ. Without the kindness of God, the Holy Spirit can't draw. And remember, we're the church. We can and will show others the goodness of God. The early church was so unified that the goodness of God was plain for everyone to see. And this is where it gets really good. The more we allowed the goodness of God to flow out from ourselves to each other, and that's that authentic community, the easier it becomes to show the goodness of God to the world. I didn't look at every instance, but I think it's a safe bet that um, every interaction that Jesus ever had with a potential believer that was then converted was overflowing with kindness and genuine concern. I know it sounds obvious. How often do you really think about that, though? Now, and how do you apply it in your everyday life? It's the kindness of God that leads to repentance. How did you become a believer? I guarantee that if you've never really sat and analyzed everything that led up to your salvation, you're going to see that the kindness of God was all throughout every step of the way. I can't tell you how many times I should have been dead. Growing up from the time I was, I don't know, 14 until the time I was 22, I was probably high almost every day of my life. I should be dead. It's the kindness of God that leads to repentance. Jesus showed us how to evangelize. Whether it was one-on-one, like the woman at the well, or in the midst of a crowd like he did with Bartimaeus. He loved to surprise people. He loved to tell them things and act in ways that no one was expecting. You know, Zacchaeus, come on down out of the tree, I'm eating at your house tonight. Or, you want a stoner? Go ahead. But only if you've never sinned. Or, you know, let the children hang out with me. Leave them alone because heaven belongs to them. And children basically were the lowest of the low back then. Uh, It was the unexpected that grabbed people's attention. What he was saying was completely different than anything any religious leader had ever taught him. How many of you guys know who Steve Brown is? You ever heard of Steve Brown? Deep, gravelly voice. Uh, He's been a pastor and a university professor for years and years. Um, He lives up in Orlando, actually, and um, he's part of a ministry called Key Life, and he's really good. Uh, 
the man is is grace personified. Anyway, uh, I heard a quote from him the other day, and it's real appropriate for what we're talking about. He said, and he's very tongue-in-cheek and a little sarcastic sometimes, but he said, love a pagan when he doesn't deserve it and see what happens. Then make sure you tell him. It's called witnessing, and that's evangelism. People don't expect to be loved. People don't expect to be accepted. Like Kristen and the guy on the corner. All she had to do is tell him, you matter. That'll make an impact on that guy's life. That was a big seed. Luke 4, 17 to 21. And the book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him, and he opened the book and found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. And he closed the book, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. You know, as Christians, that's our job. That's what Jesus told us to do. Preach the gospel. Spread the good news. You know, uh, proclaim the release of the captives. You know, preach the gospel to the poor. Uh, All of that. That's what we're charged with doing. On one hand, it's so simple. It's so simple. On the other hand, it's really complex. The subject of evangelism. I mean, I could probably preach on that for weeks. You could probably do at least two or three months on evangelism alone. But I'm going to boil it down to a few important points. First, your relationship with Jesus Christ is the best example of the gospel that you can show to others. Revelations 12, 10 and 11. Then I heard a loud voice shouting across the heavens. It has come at last. Salvation and power in the kingdom of, of our God and the authority of his Christ. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters has been thrown down to earth. The one who accuses them before our God day and night. And they have defeated him by the blood of the lamb and by their testimony. And they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. Your testimony is what people need to see and hear. I mean, it's not going to be accepted by everyone. But it's the story of your interactions with God. It's the story of your salvation and how Jesus Christ has affected your life. You know, at the end of the Gospel of John, I think it is, yeah. John says, you know, if everything that Jesus did were to be written down, all the world couldn't hold the books. It's all those stories right here. Remember, Jesus said, you will be my witnesses. I just got a subpoena the other day. I'm not in trouble. Um, long story, I, I was witness to something, and uh, so I may have to go testify at something. But as a witness, I can only testify to what I actually saw. You know, they can ask me other things. They can ask me whatever they want. 
But I can only testify that, you know, I saw this, I saw that, I saw this, and then this happened. I can recite Bible verses to people. You know, take them down the Roman road and show them why they need salvation and all that other stuff. But think of the impact that you can have when you tell someone how God has affected your life. What Jesus has done for you. Think of all the times when Jesus healed somebody. He'll he'll even tell some of them, don't tell anybody. And then the next line it says, oh, they took off and told everybody they could find. Second, oh, wait, I missed something. Sorry. Ah, when you think of the impact, oh, yeah. When you think of the impact you can have when you tell someone how God has affected you in your life. Okay, today uh, was a tough day. We had a memorial service for Mike Rittering. He was the, uh, the guy that was killed in the terrorist attack over in uh, Burkina Faso. His wife was there. Uh, all the family was there. I have never seen any widow, and she's been a widow for two weeks, so happy in my entire life. The, the, the joy of the Lord just flowed out of this woman. Uh, she's after, she'll be here for about another week maybe, and she's going back to Africa. She's going right back to the heart of it. And they showed some clips from different things that Mike had done, um, different sermons he had done along the way. And there's one where he talks about, you know, to live as Christ, to die as gain. And it was about a little more than a year before this happened. And he actually stood on stage and said, I get that now. That's a testimony. And that clip has been seen on the Internet now by a couple hundred thousand people. It's what God has done in our lives. Second, it's an old saying and it's true. People don't know how much you know, don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. We are the church. We can and we will show others the goodness of God. Kindness of God leads to repentance. That goes for us as a church together, as well as each of us as individuals. Surprise people with the love of God. Like Steve Brown said, love a pagan when they don't deserve it. You know, when that co-worker at work that aggravates you, that drives you crazy, love them. The neighbor that gives you a real hard time when you're out there mowing your lawn, go mow theirs. That'll surprise them. Third, we're all in this together. Jesus said, when we are united as one in him, the world will believe. And he prayed that. How many of you think Jesus' prayers always get answered? I mean, that's what he prayed. I want to see the answer. Each of us plays a part in bringing God's message of grace and salvation to the world. Romans 12, and we've read this probably 
oh, at least two or three of the weeks during this series. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. Like they said, you can pick your friends, but you can't pick your relatives. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, then serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. Again, we're in this together. We each have a part. There's a quote, and it may have been Harry Truman, it may have been somebody else. uh, And it says, it's amazing what you can accomplish if you don't care who gets the credit. That's just as true in the church. 1 Corinthians 3, 5 to 9. After all, who is Apollo? Who is Paul? We are only God's servants through whom you believe the good news. Each of us did the work the Lord gave us. I planted the seed in your hearts and Apollos watered it. But it was God who made it grow. It's not important who does the planting or who does the watering. What's important is that God makes the seeds grow. The one who plants and the one who waters work together with the same purpose. And both will be rewarded for their hard work. For we are both God's workers And you are God's fields. You are God's building. Kristen planted a seed with Tony. Somebody's going to come along and water that seed. And then someone else is going to come along and harvest it. We never know what we do, what effect it's going to have where. Number four. When it comes to evangelism, we each need to be sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. All throughout the book of Acts, you'll see example of the Holy Spirit leading the apostles to speak to certain people or groups. You know, the first day Peter got up, 3,000 people got saved. Um, Peter got sent to Cornelius' house, who was a Gentile. Paul got sent to Macedonia, and on the way, he ended up speaking with with Lydia. There was a church started in her house. Philip was sent down some road in the middle of nowhere to talk to an Ethiopian eunuch. They were all led by the Holy Spirit. Kristen didn't get a message not to go to, to rehearsal to take her daughter. All led by the Holy Spirit. Take some time. Honestly, take some time. Go through the book of Acts and see how different people were led to be in certain places where God wanted them to speak to certain people. And I know people, I know everybody in this room probably has at least one story, if not more, of the Holy Spirit nudging you to do or say something. Continue listening. You know, you're either watering or planting or both. 
And again, we'll never know sometimes what effect we had on somebody's life until we get to heaven. We're going to be real surprised when we get up there for so many reasons. Now, we are the church. We can and will show others the goodness of God. For God's building, and we each have a part. And finally, I want to leave you with two verses. 1 Corinthians 15.58 So my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. Nothing. Not a thing. You know what? That tells me that even if you're doing something and in your heart, you're doing it for the Lord, even if it's not what God wanted you to do at that moment, he's going to honor it. If you're doing it with a clear conscience and faith, it says nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. And lastly, Galatians 6, 9 and 10. Let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. So then while we have an opportunity, let us do good to all people and especially to those who are of the household of faith. We can walk around and moan and whine and say, God, I'm doing all this stuff and I'm not seeing anything happening. Tomato will grow in 50 days. Pineapple takes two years. So you never know what effect we're going to have. Just our job is to go out there and tell the world about Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for your salvation that you've given to each one of us. We thank you that each one of us has a testimony about our interactions with you. We thank you that you interact with each one of us as individuals. You call us your children. And Lord, I don't know of anything greater that I could tell the world other than I'm a child of God and my Father takes care of me. Father, give us us boldness. Give us grace. Let us be a merciful people to the world around us. Let your mercy be in our hearts, Father. And let your kindness come through each and every one of us, Lord. Grant us all the strength to show the world the goodness of God. Father, I pray for everyone here, Lord, for needs that they may have, and you know every single one of them. I pray for the doubts and the fears that may be inside of some of us. I pray for the sicknesses, because, Lord, I look around this room, 
we're a bunch of sick people. Physically, spiritually, Lord, Father, take care of us. And we'll be sure to give you the glory and the honor. In Jesus' name, amen.